My friends, I am so excited that it is officially Christmas, not only here at Solid Ground, but also according to the calendar and all of those things, we can say Merry Christmas to each other. And after the past couple of years we've had and all that stuff, and, and even, even this year together, we've gone through the book of James verse by verse. We've gone through uh, a, a lifestyle stuff after Easter. We've, had, we've covered a lot of territory. And I think for the next few weeks, it will be so refreshing for all of us together just to slow down and simplify and center our hearts and our thoughts on the story of Jesus leaving the comfort and safety of heaven and coming down uh, to identify with a broken and hurting world uh, all the way uh, to 2021, the story still speaks to us. So uh, I've got some fancy Bible software with, oh my goodness, systematic theology books and, and commentaries that I absolutely love. And, and don't worry, I still consulted those in preparing these messages uh, for Christmas time. But also, I've added to that, I, I, last night I got out my kids' uh, children's Bible story books and and as an extra layer of just just sitting in the simplicity and the beauty of of the Christmas story of Advent and uh, I want to encourage you just to, to we'll, we'll we'll get to some of the theological stuff and and use words like incarnation that's wonderful uh, and that's not just an instant breakfast but it, it is a theological term. But the simplicity of the story is so beautiful and so relevant and into the daily just dirt and grime of our lives to, to know that, that what we are going through in our day-to-day -day life, it actually matters. And I think today the text that we're, we're going to look at is, will be helpful but also challenging. It's funny how God does that. He'll, he'll give us some comfort for the journey but also call us into into life and into the hard stuff of life at the same time. So uh, whether you've got a paper Bible like me or you're on our YouVersion app, I want to invite you to turn to the book of Luke chapter 1 and we'll start here in verse 26 and jump right into the Christmas story. So verse 26, it starts out like this. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent an angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. We jumped in halfway through the chapter, and there's the, the story that Luke has been telling about John the Baptist's birth. And there's all kinds of interesting comparisons uh, to, to put these two stories side by side. But here, we're going to focus on Mary and this greeting. Like, greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. If we were reading this in the original language, uh, it, it, quite literally it says, grace to you, most graced one. Grace, grace. It, it, it appears over and over again and gives us a clue and gives the readers a clue that grace is embedded in the Jesus story. It's, it's around it. It's at the end of it. It's, it's all in the middle of it. It's over. It's all about grace. And the story 
of Jesus is the story of God gracing humanity. And it's so unique on the, on the stage of world religions. Uh, not before, and I would argue not after, is this idea of grace. This idea of, of God doing the work for us. Though we don't deserve it, we can't earn it. Grace, God has given us this grace. And you may have checked out, maybe you're here, uh, just kind of checking into the story again and checking into the church thing again. And maybe you've said, uh, I'm not so sure about this Jesus thing. If that's you, you are in the right place today. I'm so glad you're here. And I, I invite you to jump into the story with us. But no matter where you're at with your faith, you have to admit this idea of grace, it's still unique. This idea that humans cannot earn God's love, it's embedded right here and in this message that the angel is, is giving to Mary is this idea, this idea is, pardon the pun, pregnant with meaning that God is coming to accomplish for you, humanity, what you could not accomplish and what you could not do by yourself and on your own. And Mary hears this message from the angel. And in verse 29, it says, Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. All throughout my life, even in, in, in Sunday school, I've, I've known that, that when an angel comes and talks to you, usually people fall on their face, afraid. Usually people want to die. And I'm sure that's in there here. But when it says she was greatly troubled, yes, you know, seeing an angel, that's, that's completely a part of the package. But this greeting really challenged her. Like, you who are graced and, and most favored, there's, God's got something for you. So also in this package is this idea of, okay, wait a minute, what's next? <laughs> you, you've just given me a really nice greeting and said, I'm graced for this special mission, but what's the catch? Like, what's required of me in this? And the angel continues uh, in verse 30. But the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. Now, I'll give you three guesses what that word favor means here. In the original language, it's another word for grace. This journey that she's being called to, this special mission she's been given, also includes the idea of grace for the journey. No matter what she's about to face, she's found favor with God, and God's going to take her through this next part of her journey. And then the angel gets down to it. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David and will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. And here's where Luke drops another gigantic concept of, of God's kingdom. And this, this chosen son of God will bring God's kingdom here. And this is a, a big concept because it also includes, yes, there's a personal aspect that we all relate to God. Now we can have a personal relationship with God. 
But included in that is a, a social aspect to when, when, when Jesus established God's kingdom here on earth, it affects uh, the up, how we relate to God, but also how we relate to others. We are citizens of a, of a kingdom with a king. We treat each other differently than the culture around us. We act differently around us because the king, Jesus, is Lord and whatever Jesus says goes. So it changes all of life and it was changed for us. So we've talked about God's kingdom. We've talked about grace being embedded into this interaction Mary has with, with the angel. And I think at the beginning for us, the beginning of the Christmas season, as we've got um, the, the pull of, of materialism on us, and I don't want to demonize anybody. I love getting a good deal just as, uh, just as much as the rest of us. But to, to set that aside for a second, and let's pause and think about grace, this gift that God's given to humanity through Mary. But let's pause and think about the greetings we have for each other. Now, over the past couple of years, I've loved watching in the grocery store or in, in a park or in the church lobby, people doing that awkward, do you handshake or do you fist bump? So we've, we've become very accustomed to that, trying to feel out people's comfort level. My favorite cultural greeting isn't even from this, uh, this solar system. I love live long and prosper. Um, for those of you uh, California folks, we know this one really well. Peace, dude. And the younger ones do it, do it backwards. Peace, yo. Uh, but this cultural greeting in the church, uh, historically, is open hands. It's like a symbol of grace. And I love the ambiguity in this because am I giving something or am I receiving something? Do this now, wherever you're at. Uh, just hold your hands out. Are you giving or receiving? The biblical answer is yes. <laughs> You're doing, we've been given grace, but we're also called to, as it overflows out of our, our hearts, we can give grace to others. I love some traditions say grace and peace to you or peace be with you and, and with you also. Not, not uh, uh, live long and prosper, not may the force be with you, but grace to you. And let's pause for a second. We're, we're not, I'm not starting something new, like a new tradition that we're going to do every single week. But if you're watching this with somebody, just hold your hands out and look them in the eye and say grace to you. And if you're not with somebody, maybe you can put an emoji in the chat room right now or just type it out, grace to you. And we'll, we'll type back grace to you because we're all, we're all together. Grace to you. This open hands, giving and receiving is a really big deal and it's so important for us to remember in this culture of, of hustle and striving and earning and, and trying to, to do things on our own and make our own way to remember that God wants to give more grace than we could even contain. Like trying to catch all the water from a waterfall in, in your hands, it's impossible. And it's, and it's also as a response to everything that we've been given, the natural response is to give it away too. Merry Christmas, everybody. Peace to you. Grace and peace to you. So let's continue. Let's continue with this text. In verse 34, 
How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? You know, in some translations it says, I've never known a man, which is a, a euphemism, kind of a wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Like she's asking a fair question. Uh, almost everybody in Western culture, even uh, a little bit familiar with, with Christianity, we're familiar with the concept of a virgin birth and it's important to, to stop and ponder for a second. Mary wasn't. Mary wasn't familiar with this concept, and she's, and, and she's not stalling. She's not, um, she's not asking to be obstinate. She's just going like, wait a minute, how, how, can, how can this be? And the angel's answer was the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the answer the angel gives. The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. So at this point, it hadn't happened yet, but the angel saying, it will happen. And this Son of God phrase is, is another key concept Luke is introducing to the reader that emphasizes the uniqueness of Christ. He is not of human origin. He is the Son of God. And the angel continues, even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who was said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month, for no word from God will ever fail. Some translations say nothing is impossible with God. But I love that. No word from God will ever fail. It, it speaks that, that God can do anything. Uh, we have a, a school here, a private school, as a part of our ministry here at Solid Ground, and I love going into uh, the Bible classes. Sometimes they'll ask uh, some uh, me or Pastor Ryan to go into a third grade Bible class. Fourth, you know, we have kindergarten all the way through eighth grade, and and the kids always uh, ask their questions, and you can cut through a good two thirds of the question and and make sure you get. To all of them because when any of the the kids write can god well the answer is always yes and we, i love telling them like if the if the first word is can well then the answer is yes god can do anything and and the angel is saying that here what's impossible what is impossible for god to not do is, is to follow through i know that that construction is is confusing the angel is saying god always follows through. And if you're talking to somebody, some people love to play word games like, can God make a rock so busy or so heavy that he, he can't lift it? And I'll play along with that and I'll say, yes, God can make a rock so heavy that he can't lift it. And then he lifts it. And then they're like, wait a minute, wait, you, you can't do that. And I'm like, well, yes, you can. Like, well, you're just playing word games with me. And then I say, well, you started the game and I'm playing along. Nothing, absolutely nothing is impossible for God. And for us to go, to go through these texts and there's promise after promise that God will be faithful, that God is working in this world. God's not far away and God will always follow through on God's promises. So nothing is impossible for God. So in verse 38, Mary's response, listen to this response. 
I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. Man, I can't imagine that turning over control of her life at that moment, turning over, and there's, there's gotta be a natural uh, process that she started. It's gotta be the beginning of a grief process. That, uh, culturally, she was most likely 13 years old at this point, or, or somewhere in that zone. Probably had dreams for, for her culture that she would get married and live like the normal life, marry that upstanding citizen, Joseph, have kids and, and be a good first century Jewish woman. But now she's opening up, just trying to, at the very beginning, opening herself up to a life where she would face ridicule, face tough times, face, uh, face sideways looks and those kind of mm-hmm glances. And she didn't get, it's not a Disney movie. She didn't get an angel sidekick for the rest of the story. Like she was turning over control saying, God, however this works out, I'm your servant. I'm your servant. I love that word. And God would provide help for Mary, but that help would come in the form of of bringing other people around her to catch the vision. So, We've covered a lot of territory in just a few of these verses, but this, uh, the, a couple of insights for us. Uh, like I said before, we mentioned that she was probably around the age of 13, and this is long before the invention, yes, I said invention, of adolescence, that time between being a kid and a grown-up. It's only been around for 140, 150 years. It used to be when you're old enough to hold a tool, go to work and you work alongside the men or, or when your body's ready to create another life, all right, it's time to be a grown-up. There was, there was none of this in-between stuff. Like, like I polled when I was 15. I would say, mom, yeah, raised in Florida. Mom, there's a hurricane, so the waves in Florida are finally big enough to surf. And she would say, no. And I would say, come on, I'm 15. I'm grown up to make my own decisions. And then she would say, well, you need to go out and get a job and help, help pay and, and contribute around here. And I would say, no, mom, I'm only 15. There's none of that. There's none of that in, first century, uh, in, in the first century culture here in, in Palestine. Uh, and I think I'm pointing this out to say we can do a better job of writing off our cultural stereotypes of what people of a certain age can do. Teenagers, young adults, our culture expects you to be all about yourself, figuring out yourself. What do you want to do with your life? You know, this or that, no, so self-absorbed. But you're a secret weapon that God can use. And people are expecting you to, to, to act a certain way. And Mary is, is proof to us through the ages that God can use anybody. And maybe if you're not on the, the age spectrum of 13 or young adult, maybe you're a little bit more seasoned, even though it's not in this text. The, the text before shows uh, Mary's cousin, Elizabeth, who was past her prime. She was no longer of child-bearing years. God still wants to use her, and God did use her to bring John the Baptist into the world. God's never done with us. 
And if whatever the cultural thing, right now uh, the cultural uh, apex, if according to the media and, and movies and the, uh, news and those types of things, we love to tell the stories of, of young people, young, successful, have a high capacity to do stuff. God's like, oh, that's great. I can use that. But God loves, and I would say loves showing off by using the young, by using people uh, that are outside of the cultural stereotype of, of, of who is really productive. God can use you no matter how young you are or how seasoned you are. And you can be God's secret weapon. Also, look, look at Mary's response. She brings questions. And if you go back and read this whole chapter, you see that, um, that Mary's other cousin, Zechariah, Elizabeth's husband, he hears from God and he has questions. I love putting these two, these two stories, these two narratives side by side because Mary gives questions too, but she's not uh, stricken by the Lord. She's not caused to not be able to speak anymore. Her, her angel actually meets her where she's at. Uh, the angel gives her answers and walks through, and I'm sure God was with Mary. Uh, there had to be hundreds and hundreds of questions as the years went on. So we don't need to be afraid of having questions or asking questions. That doesn't mean you don't have uh, enough faith. But the contrast to Mary is Zechariah. He was using his questions in a way to, to stall for obedience. Mary asked some questions for clarification, like kind of like, okay, how is this going to work out so I know uh, how I can obey? Uh, but she wasn't using them as an excuse. Sometimes questions are just an excuse, but God knows your heart. And, and ask God, when you have questions, God can handle those. If you read through all the, all the, the Old Testament stories, especially the Psalms, questions are okay with God. Bring them to God. And I love also in the story, talking, the angel tells Mary about her cousin Elizabeth, who was past childbearing years. There's cross-generational friendships here. My goodness, that, that is so needed in our culture. If you're young and you're watching this, you need the wisdom and insight of other people. And, and it's okay just to, to say, hey, uh, can I... Can I go out to coffee and ask you a couple of questions? Like find someone in your life who knows God and, and, and cares about God. And don't ask them, will you be my mentor? Or will you, will you fix me? But you could just say, hey, I really admire your marriage. Can, I, can we go to Starbucks and me ask you a couple questions about marriage? Um, if you are on the other end of the spectrum and you have so much to give, um, don't get caught up in thinking, oh, the young people don't, they, they don't want to be around me. I'm just, I'm just old or, or whatever. You know, I was a youth pastor for like 16 years. And the best youth workers that I had, the best volunteers in youth ministry I had, were over the age of 25, 35, and 45. And so many, so many potential volunteers would say, oh, I'm not young, I don't surf, I don't play the guitar, I'm not cool, I don't have the latest haircut. None of that mattered to the teenagers. Do you know what, you know what the teenagers would say to me when I'd say, hey, who do you want to, to volunteer here at the, youth, uh, uh, at the youth group? They'd say, I just want someone that cares about me. 
And I, what they didn't articulate, but what I saw teenagers and young adults react to was just people that were comfortable in their own skin and would sit on the doorsteps of young people's lives and, and listen and wait until they were invited in. And oh my goodness, maybe there are people in your life that, that you could listen to and be a part of, but maybe you're just saying, offering excuses. Maybe it's not even to God, but just in your own mind. Um, this is a huge way. If we're going to live in God's kingdom, I just want to submit to you that maybe there's a, a cross-generational friendship that, that is untapped potential in your life for you to receive grace, but also for you to give grace as well. And also in this text, let's take a look at, at Mary's response. She said, here's your servant. Let it be done to me as you have said. This story, this could have gone a much different way. She could have said, Back off, angel. No way. No way. That's just too crazy. I'm not. But she didn't. She could have said, "Oh, so you want to use me in God's plan? All right. What's in it for me?" And and started some sort of negotiation. But she didn't. Her heart was, "How can I serve?" She could have said, "What? I'm going to carry God incarnate in my own womb? So this will be like my own personal genie. Like this will be great." But she didn't. No, she said, I am the Lord's servant. Now, now, if you're here and a little bit on the skeptical side and you're saying, okay, this virgin birth myth, I've read some books on this and there were, there were virgin birth narratives in, in Babylonian literature and different cults in Roman times and, and that sort of thing. And, and that is true. That was an idea in the ancient world that, that a lot of different religions drew upon, uh, Greek and Roman mythology especially. But I love that when Jesus pops onto the scene and, and, and God is moving in this very unconventional way, one thing that sticks out to me, and I believe this happened, that God was doing this in a different way. And what's unique about Mary uh, turning over control of her life in this moment to God's plan that we don't see anywhere else and haven't seen anywhere since is the idea of consent. In Greek and Roman mythology, the, there were lots of stories about the, these precocious gods forcing themselves on women in the culture and, and forcing them uh, humanity to, to comply with their whims and things like that. And, and God knows, knew Mary's heart. God knew Mary before she was even created and even a thought in her mother or father's mind. But God still asked. God didn't just force this on her. It's not something that just happens to her. And it, underlying this is the value God places on relationship with human beings. God lets her say yes to the journey and move forward with questions and all. She, her saying yes to a God that is love. That's what God does for us. God won't force himself on us. So a couple of challenges before we end our time together. I think this text challenges us with a question. And I think God's asking this question of you and, and this question of me. Simple question. Are you making space for me? 
Mary quite literally made space for God. And after this, there would soon be a heartbeat just below Mary's heartbeat. She made space for God. So are you making space for God on your calendar? And this isn't a guilt trip at all. This is just a lot of us, if you're here watching this, something inside of you is open, open to having a relationship with the divine, with Jesus. But we know real, meaningful relationships, they take time. Quality time is awesome. But the friendships don't happen with merely quality time. It takes time to develop. So maybe this Christmas season, maybe there's a, uh, something you can set aside uh, and, and, and not do, just to create space for God in your life. Maybe, maybe it's just for a season, or maybe you find creating extra time space in your life and relationship space, time in, in your thoughts. You may find that, that you leave that aside permanently. It may be, but are you making time and space for God? Are there people in your life? Maybe if you, you, you set a couple of, of, of hours aside or stop doing whatever it is, Netflix, or, or, or set something aside for a season, maybe you'll notice that there are people in your world, in your, your normal everyday sphere of life, that are hurting. And maybe, maybe instead of going, ooh, this conversation could get a little bit messy, let's change the subject, maybe you, you create time and space for Jesus by by asking this person who's hurting, what's going on? And tell me more about that. I'm here, I'm listening. Maybe you, maybe as you set some time aside for God, you realize you're hurting and, and you need to, to have God pour some grace into your life. Maybe you need to remind yourself, it's okay to say no to one or two Christmas parties or one or two shopping trips and just take time for yourself to heal, to breathe, to rest, to, to get a good eight hours of sleep. Like making, making space for God as, as setting these things aside. So, and, and that is okay to do. Maybe making space for God looks like you reaching out for help. Maybe it's going to sgbic.com and, and scrolling down to the bottom of the page and saying, hey, I would love some help doing this. I need to talk through some things or have somebody pray with me. That's making space for God too. And we're here for that. So that's our challenge today is to ponder that question from God. Are you making space for me? So let's, let's, uh, let's put our hands like this. And I wanna pray. Uh, uh, but before we do, why don't you, you make a fist and just think about how hard it is to get anything done like this. I'm so grateful Mary didn't live her life this way. No, angel, I'm okay. I've got my plans. I'm going to hold on to them real tight. I'm betrothed to this person. Uh, we're going to have just the normal life. No. She opened her hands and said, here's your servant. And she, she received grace to go through unfathomable circumstances in her life. But she was also able to bless. I mean, we're a part of that. We're sitting here talking and reading this text. We're a part of the legacy of her opening up her life and control and turning over control to God. 
and, and God doing amazing things and changing the course of human history, all because of a posture of grace. So let's pray together and hold your hands open. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for your grace. And we, we ponder uh, what you are asking of us today. So we open our lives and we say, here we are. We are open to serving you. Will you speak to us? Will you please be the loudest voice in our head in this Christmas season and, and fill us up with your hope and your grace to the point where we're overflowing and may we not be stingy. May we give grace to everyone that we encounter. In Jesus' mighty and holy name we pray. Amen. All right. So until we are together again, a reminder, you can always reach out to us at sgbic.com. But until then, may the Lord bless you and keep you and pour out buckets and buckets of grace on your life. May God turn his face towards you and smile upon you. And may the Lord give you his peace in the name of the Father and Son and Holy Spirit. Amen.